Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed number 275 in our fleet of main shows. And this is the News and Cues. I'm Ken Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I'm happy to be here on one of the ships in our fleet. One of the main ships. We have a big fleet. 
It's a big fleet. Almost, you'd say, a star fleet, which, uh, you know, we're going to review that book a little bit later this week where that's magic. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm getting off track. Yeah, we're here, man. On, on the, it used to be one super star destroyer just kind of, uh, you know, leading the way. Now we got a lot of different ships going on. Uh, and I love it. And I love being of all, all shapes and sizes, uh, different ships in our fleet. Uh, what's the what's the equivalent of our is Star Wars ranked the Quasar class? <laughs> I think so. It has five slots yeah. <laughs> for different sure. opinions to come out of. That's good. What's the databank brawl ship? Is oh, just- my God. That is a junk. What uh, it probably dash Rendar's outrider. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, cool, but weird. <laughs> cool, but weird. We are. Uh, Here's always to uh, catch up, but also talk about the news, take some great questions from all of you. And before we do any of that, uh, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com. Slash 4 Center, over 180,000 titles to choose from for iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But now, it's Star Wars and or Life Adventures. <laughs> I know, Joseph, we had a holiday. You're like me. A lot of our Star Wars adventures is actually Star Wars prep for Force Center. And sometimes that uh, just kind of makes the, the waters wonderfully muddy. But how has your last week been? Good, good. I uh, right after on Friday, right after we recorded our uh, review of Chapter Thirteen of The Mandalorian, uh, I sat down and watched it uh, with my wife, and I, I look forward to that viewing because I view it uh, two to three times before you and I review, and then I watch it with my wife, and that's like the the episode where I, I watch it again as a fan and see it through her eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was so fun to uh, wait and watch for her uh, reactions. And, and see how she reacted to some of the revelations in that episode. And I had been really, uh, really adamant of like, don't even look at your phone. Don't turn on any internet in the house. You will be spoiled immediately. And I think I kind of overplayed it. So she was like, oh, there are some really interesting things. What all did you think was going to be spoiled? <laughs> it's like, I might, I might have overdone it. I might have overdone it. But mostly yeah. the name, the name. Um, the name. Yeah, so so that was fun. That was a great uh, Star Wars adventure. And then, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we put up our Christmas tree. I think I've mentioned before, I have a broken down old $20 uh, fake Christmas tree that I bought, bought, I believe, in 1998 for a sketch comedy. Uh, and it is still alive. And we love our weird little tree. Uh, so we had fun putting it up. Uh, I love putting up. Well, let me phrase it differently. I love putting on the Christmas. I love having put on the Christmas lights. I do not like putting them on. It is about the destination, not the journey. That one for me. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of my life adventure. Whereas, like uh, Sarah, my wife, um, can I can I be grumpy while I'm doing this? Is I mean, we're trying to get some holiday spirit, some cheer. But are you okay if I get real cranky and swear? And she's like, Yes, that's okay. So, <laughs> oh Christmas tree, oh. <laughs> exactly and then as soon as they're all on oh it's beautiful and peaceful uh but it's always fun the reason i bring up my swearing at uh, the christmas tree is that the specific holiday star wars things come out uh from the boxes that i forget about including the uh the santa claus uh han combination where han always keeps his blaster on santa claus on our christmas tree <laughs> and we have a little uh kylo ren lurking nearby and I forgot that we got the Funko Pop of Yoda as Santa. And that's really fun to see. Not baby Yoda, 
but actual Yoda in his Santa costume. So it was nice to have the new old holiday Star Wars friends come out and, and brighten the apartment. So that's kind of my life Star Wars adventure. That is uh, that's a full that's a full week, man. That's a full week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I you know, it's so funny. We I think a lot of people have the uh, I don't know, the, the, the partner viewing the the other people in your <laughs> life uh, that, um, you know, don't who love Star Wars, maybe don't follow it as much as you and I do. Don't have a podcast where they have to analyze every second of it. And I, I go through that uh, Friday evenings. This time it was Friday afternoon because I same thing. I, and more than anything. Uh, you know, I know Grace is a, she's a big Star Wars fan, but she she she's aware of Ahsoka. She doesn't know who she is too much, and and uh, you know, but she's so there for the journey of Baby Yoda. And I did not want her to hear that name either. Like that yeah. was because it's so great. I love the way they introduce it. By the way, I guess we should always put out Mando spoilers. Yeah, I think so. I think that should maybe just be since, uh, you know, it's different this time around where, you know, last time we were waiting for half the world to get Disney Plus. I think the main shows are are spoiler zones for Mandalorian. Yeah, we we will try and and, and give those warnings. Um, You know, because we know just not everyone has a chance to, you might have three kids uh, of your own and you're they're they're trying to eat eggs that you don't want to eat (laughs) in your house and uh, all those good things. But anyways, uh, I don't want to linger too long on it, but uh, just that moment of discovery, the name and the reaction uh, from the child to to his name being said by did is just one of my favorite little just tug on the heartstring moments in Star Wars. And it broke her in a good way. She just was just tears of joy. Just thought it was the best. And um, it was a highlight of the episode for her. So it, it's always fun to have that viewing. Uh, oh. we, we should do we should do the Mandalorian report follow up episodes where <laughs> and Grace on and just let them discuss the true meaning of the episode, not what you and I dig into. Yeah, um, well, it's it's uh, true because like sometimes Sarah sees things that I uh, in a, in a different way because she is not all in. Like you know that passenger episode, the second uh, Grogu looked at the eggs, she's like, he's gonna eat those. <laughs> And I was like, no, I, I think maybe a force connection. No, no, he's he's trying to eat them. He's trying to eat eggs, <laughs> which I I can respect from a hungry man point of view. Uh, other than that, man, my life, uh, you know, uh, holidays busy. Had a good uh, my first full vegan Thanksgiving, and and you know, if you are uh, not a vegan or a vegetarian, I am not here to uh, lump that uh, on you. Enjoy your turkey, enjoy your ham, and I do uh, enjoy meat from time to time. It's if it's more of a health decision, um, but it was good, man. It, it felt good, and and we watched um, Endgame. Um, because uh, Grace and her, her sister and brother-in-law, they're, they're our little uh, bubble, uh, our, our social distance uh, pod bubble, whatever you want to say. They just did a complete rewatch of MCU uh, from Iron Man up to Endgame. Wow. This is the end. And so, you know, as I said before in the show, I, I love every one of those movies. I, I've not seen all but two of them. Have I, you know, Black Panther and Captain Marvel and Guardians and Iron Man. They're, those are the ones that I've seen more than once. Okay, <laughs> just not a, I've always said not. I, I I've never not enjoyed them. Uh, it's just, it's just I didn't wasn't raised on Marvel or DC stuff in terms of superheroes, so I I don't get pulled in as much as others. And I know you do. I mean, that's it's a big thing for you too. I think I don't know if people fully realize that you could easily do Marvels then. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I I loved it and 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 their joy and they're kind of just kind of taking that journey with them. I get it. I get why the MCU works on that level. And uh, it was moved by some of those moments. And it was, and, and they're very, uh, it's, it's similar to the ways, uh, you know, kind of moved in Star Wars at times uh, that I personally am moved by things in Rise of Skywalker. It's part of a, a long journey for me. And, and you and I watched that. We saw the first screening, you know, our screening was together. And yeah. sit, you, you were sitting by each other in the, in the, 
in the El Capitan. And I, I just was doing the, the shoulder slumped crying while everyone else in the theater <laughs> was getting their snarky tweets ready, but that's a different conversation. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I shed some tears again too. I mean, it's hard not to when you see Chadwick Boseman on screen, but um, I like a lot of the moments and I, and because I am not, it's, it's funny. It's almost like I am not, um, I am to marvel what others are to Star Wars, what you are, you and I are just describing. I am not there diving into every second. So uh, I know there was a, a debate on the, the great uh, female character moment in that movie. I, I moved by it by just on a simple level of generations of female fans who probably felt they had to hide their love or were told they couldn't love it. And to just see that moment on screen, I was moved by it there. Uh, on the couch, uh, stuffed with vegan uh, Thanksgiving food. Um, <laughs> it was a nice experience to just go back and, and uh, find the joy in that property as well. You know, not oh. always need to spend it in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that's great. And, and they are such different flavors. Um, but yeah, I grew up with those comic books. I didn't, you know, I haven't kept up throughout the years, but uh, they, the, those superheroes got me young, uh, you know, just like uh, the Star Wars characters. So there's that that passion of, the connection to the movies themselves, but for me, like a long journey with these characters. Uh, and yeah, Endgame, Endgame is funny because it is, it gets compared to Rise of Skywalker for lots of reasons, but some of the most powerful moments, you know, it, Cap and Poe are in sync there of like, I'm going to hold on to hope and I'm going to keep fighting no matter what. And then just that joy when, when the rest of, you know, the galaxy, yeah. the rest of the heroes show up. And there's something just primal to me about that, of that feeling mm -hmm. of I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm going to keep holding on no matter what. But then the relief when all of these other people come and have your back is really, really powerful. Yeah, man, you got to have uh, you got to have backup. Got yeah. backup. Yeah. And then the, the other thing I'll say real quick and we'll get back to yeah. Star Wars about the it, both uh, uh, both Endgame and, you know, Infinity War have a shot of of the women coming together. Uh, yeah. And part of what's powerful about it is just in the context of the MCU, but also for me, like the comics weren't always in, incredibly great about uh, representation. But if you read Avengers comics like I did, those women characters were there. And then, mm -hmm. you know, movies would get made. And for the most part, it would just be like, eh, it's just this one character, you know, it's mm -hmm. just Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to finally get to see this universe so built up that all those characters who featured prominently in the comics were also there all together on screen. It's partially just a look back at that of the, these characters are on screen, you know, and together and it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, again, it, yeah. Love it. Work, worked for me, uh, worked for me there. And you know, after that, I got to tell you, after that, I was like, made some conscious, I'm going to watch some other things, uh, but watching, catching up an old documentary. It's about 10 years old on Monty Python, all those kind of things. But I, I got back into the gym because you need to do it after Thanksgiving. I was like, I am definitely going to watch something else, not Star Wars. Two seconds later, what did I do? I started watching Solo. <laughs> oh. Star Wars, despite uh, uh, you and I talking about it uh, for hours each week, it's still and always will be in my blood. So Yeah. There you go. All right, sir. We're caught up. Uh, and it's time to look at uh, Star Wars news. And unfortunately, we're going to start with a sad story, but we want to turn every sad story into uh, a good, just a chance to remember someone's, uh, you know, uh, what, what they brought to the Star Wars story, what they brought to the movies, what they brought to our fandom. And of course, David Prowse uh, passed away this weekend. He was 85. Uh, he was the man inside of the Darth Vader, I'll say costume, outfit, getup, whatever. He was Darth Vader uh, and brought a lot to him. And I think there's over the years been more credit 
you know, correctly given to what Prowse actually did on set. Take nothing away from James Earl Jones, but I think James Earl Jones would probably say the same thing. So, Joseph, uh, as we as we uh, look back on on David Prowse and what he brought to the Star Wars uh, saga, what what are some of your favorite memories of Vader the figure, not the toys, but just Vader <laughs> the figure and David Prowse and uh, everything he did? Yeah, yeah, I think that's great to to concentrate on. What did David Prowse do? Because Vader is such a complicated character. We hear him as James Earl Jones. Uh, his original physicality and presence is all David Prowse, but then, you know, you have Bob Anderson doing a lot of the yeah. fights. Uh, so I think it is a complicated relationship to, like, yes, everybody knows that. It's right there in the credits. David Prowse is, you know, is Darth Vader, uh, along with James Earl Jones. Uh, but when I think about what, he actually did to add up to the sort of great mystique that is Vader is I think not just the height, but that the bodybuilding thing. Cause I, mm-hmm. I remember hearing about that a long time ago when I was a kid of like, Oh, Vader was a bodybuilder. And it's like, it's not like you <laughs> see him like muscles bulging out. Yeah. But I think that posture and that uh, power that, that sense of power, like I have never had great developed muscles, but when I do work out, I just feel a little more, you know, yep. strong, uh, even if it isn't visually there. And I think he did just kind of exude uh, this power and strength in his physical presence. Uh, and I think that's a ton of what he contributed. And then a thing that I have always loved and also, you know, had a fun Star Wars sense of humor about is, you know, the Darth Vader gesture to me is pointing. And, yeah. you know, I, I did a sketch the very one of the very first times that I got to do a show that was just all pop culture nerd humor. It was uh, the Darth Vader School of Sign Language, where everything he said was pointing, except for <laughs> join me was a fist, you know, uh, <laughs> so definitely had a sense of humor about it. But then when you look back at it, too, like it, it is it is a great choice because it is somebody who that is a real power gesture, right, to just be like. Whoever I'm talking to, it's just my finger in your face. <laughs> yeah, is a a like a, a gesture of you know I am in command. I am telling you what to do, and I think it, it's a weird thing to pull out, but I think it is like one of the key moments of Vader's physical presence is that uh, pointing gesture. Yeah, the point is, other than, yeah, like I said, it's it's uh, it's just impolite, right? It, I, I've gone through hospitality training. If someone <laughs> asks me for a direction, I'm to wave my my uh, my hand open, not point. Uh, so there's that, but just there's also the way he played it. And I think as the character of Vader has grown, it lines up and matches to to what Prowse did with, the, with those points and the shakes, the shaking of the fists and all those kind of things of of at times almost like a restrained anger. Like he's the most powerful man in the room, and sometimes all he can do is just point at you, <laughs> <laughs> rip you from limb to limb. But I'm, and I've always enjoyed that, and I'm glad you mentioned yeah the bodybuilding thing. Um, and he's he's kind of an old school lifter, you know. Um, uh, so he's got uh, he's got a wide shoulders and chest, and just and and just it's a, it's it. It comes from who he is, uh, you know, look, you know, the John Cena's in the rocks and they're in the gym 17 hours a day. And, you know, maybe they have some special tuna every now and then that helps them. But, uh, you know, they're naturally big is what I'm saying. But he 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 was as well. But exactly. He, he didn't lumber. Darth Vader didn't lumber. There was an elegance to his stroll. There was something that a little added that was menacing. And, and I think you're right. It, it's how he knew to carry himself as what six five himself. And and there's great shots of him 
there's an old Benny Hill sketch he appears in that people were tweeting out this week that, you know, I'm not a huge, I love British comedy, not a huge Benny Hill fan, but, you know, he comes in and he's in his little swim trunks and he's got his broad shoulders doing his old school kind of bodybuilder pose. And it's Vader, you know, it is, it's Vader, it's Vader in, in shorts. It's, <laughs> you can see it. And, and looking back and I'm like, you know, so you mentioned Bob Anderson, who was so great and a swordsman and worked with, if you're not familiar with Bob Anderson, look up his career. Just, you know, there's, there's, if there's a, a fight, um, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a fantasy or pop culture movie, there's a good chance Bob Anderson has something to do with it. If there's a good uh, fight in Doctor Who, it's often Bob Anderson. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, um, Lord of the Rings stuff is too. He, Peter Jackson brought him in for that. And, and, uh, I remember one point, I can't remember exactly, but probably in my early twenties where the name Bob Anderson popped up and I was just like, well, no, David Prowse is Vader. And, and, life was kind of saying yes and bob anderson did too so we we honor what bob anderson did but it's definitely uh you're not f- focused too much on the physicality of vader during the fights i mean you are but you know like it is the memories of vader are him strolling down a hallway and lum- uh, not lumbering but standing over people and 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 uh, the menacing all that kind of stuff there it just comes from Prowse and, and, and we know he was acting on the set. Uh, you know, it's important. We see now with Mandalorian, it's important who's, who's in those costumes is, is, is a lot comes from that. So anyways, uh, really appreciate that. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something I thought of uh, when you were talking about just how aware he was of being menacing. There's been a lot in uh, more modern canon, I'm sure it's there in Legends too, about how much Vader knows that he is terrifying, you know, and how much he uses that of like, yeah, absolutely, he can choke people to death, but he knows his face and his presence is just terrifying. And I think, you know, the, that story wouldn't be able to be told in books and comics if Prowse didn't have that demeanor of like, the, just that he seemed to know that Vader should loom, right? And we have like actual shots where Vader kind of looks down at somebody and looms, but he always has that presence. Like he knows he's menacing. Yeah. Well said, because that, yeah. That, and then, then a lot of storytelling legends otherwise is going to be drawn from new hope. Right. You know, that a lot of it just goes back to what we first were introduced to. And I think that's part of the Vader story is what you just said, being aware that he's Vader. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. David Prowse without a doubt had an interesting relationship with, Star Wars, other than he loved being part of it. He loved being Darth Vader. Uh, there's some well-documented things of uh, maybe he ran afoul of Lucasfilm or George himself. And, and it's, it leads to a, a somewhat of a bittersweet, uh, tragic story at times. There's some sadness there, too. Uh, and there's a great documentary. Uh, at least I think it's great. Uh, you should check it out. Um, if you haven't, it is uh, called I Am Your Father. I Am Your Father, excuse me, by Marcos Kubota and Tony Bestard. It came out uh, in 2015. I think I watched it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there. Worth a viewing if you haven't seen it. Uh, Jamie Stangroom also sat down with Prowse a few years ago. You can check it out on his YouTube channel. Without a doubt, Joseph, there, 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 there's some sadness there. He, he, he uh, spoiled some things <laughs> back in the day and, <laughs> and uh, you know, was maybe a little upset. At, at some of the choices made, including uh, discovering that he was going to be voiced over and, and including uh, not uh, wanting to be the face behind the helmet when the, the mask came off and Return of the Jedi, which is a lot of uh, what the documentary I Am Your Father is based around. Uh, they build up and try to recreate that moment for him. So there was some of that. And I think, I don't know, it's it's good. It was in passing. It, it was good to see the, the fandom doesn't not worried about any of that. They just love him and, and what he brought. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's always uh, valuable to remember that uh, all of these stories are created by humans. And, you know, yeah. when we really appreciate the work of people like George Lucas or Dave Filoni or Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher on and on, we can kind of elevate them. And I think it is right to celebrate their accomplishments as artists, but also to really um, sort of uh, respect them as humans who are uh, complicated. And I think, you know, David Prowse and Lucas and going back and forth and, you know, why, what was their beef? Who did what to who is, you know, it's a part of the Star Wars tapestry that all these creators are, are humans. And it's a mm-hmm. part of the, um, the tapestry of, of Star Wars behind the scenes. Yeah, his daughter, Rachel Proust, uh, tweeted out this. Dad would have been over the moon about the reaction he has had today. Me and the rest of the family have been overwhelmed by the lovely comments and the sharing of some hilarious memories. Thanks, Twitter, for brightening a difficult day. Um, I think that's great. I think um, in this age of social media, sometimes even myself, I can be like, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. But this is also the power of what it uh, can can be. It can connect people. It can uh, raise voices up, raise, uh, you know, the spirits of people too. And, and this is a great use of it. And, and yeah. And again, um, in, in, in passing, it's some hey, it's, it's, we're all, we all got to go someday. And I'd still like to stick around to hear some of the nice things said about me. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's just the way it works. Um, and maybe you believe David Braz is looking down and, and watching the BBC news from uh, his, uh, his uh, apartment in heaven. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, this, this, I saw this tweet and it actually touched me that she, you know, it, it kind of acknowledges that David Braz, he just would have loved this and loved uh, this is something he, he, he was, he, he became Vader. Um, uh, I've never, I've never met him anything. I'm honored to have a, a personalized autograph from him that my Ooh. friend Frank Kazarian um, gave me. It's on a, uh, alt, uh, it's on a, a, a variant cover of Darth Vader one from back in what 2014, uh, and Frankie Zarian, pro wrestler extraordinaire, was at a convention signing in, at, at a booth a couple spots away from David and and got that for me and it, it's just you know never met him but it's it's just nice Darth Vader wrote my name <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a part of my childhood as it is so many uh, to you know Darth Vader man Darth Vader was. He was the villain of my life, uh, who I also grew to love and root for. Yeah. And I thought Lucas's comment was really touching mm-hmm. and kind, um, you know, um, and knowing that they had had their issues uh, with one another, that, it was, that he gave him such credit for, you know, creating, helping to create uh, Vader. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, so it was really interesting to hear Lucas say, he did a great job creating this villain in this tragic figure. And, you know, Lucas uh, reinforcing again that he saw uh, that that sees Vader as a tragic figure. And I do think, you know, when you go back and watch A New Hope, he is just a he, Darth Vader is a terrifying uh, a baddie, uh, as uh, David Prowse himself would say, <laughs> use that yeah. turn of phrase. He's a baddie. He's a, you know, a scary cinema villain for the ages. But in Prowse's uh, performance with that, the moments where he moves and the moments where he's still and you don't really know what's going on behind the mask, uh, mm-hmm. there is that the uh, the part of Vader that is tragic does come out, too. So I thought that was great to hear Lucas celebrate uh, both the character and what Prowse added to the character. Absolutely. Indeed. And I think I said he was six, five, six, six. Just double checking the article. I want to get that right. Six. six. <laughs> uh, that's important. So. Uh, hey, uh, this is uh, the reality of our world, as we said. We've, um, you know, uh, Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew, Kenny Baker, uh, a lot of the the legends from that era, that time, are moving on. It is, uh, you know, 
the force would teach us to to uh, not mourn them, right? <laughs> Miss them too <tonight. laughs> much. Thanks, Yoda. But no, we do, and we will always have those memories and always have uh, these characters. When you first saw them, we grow up with them. We learn from them. We still learn from them. But uh, I love going back to being seven and seeing Darth Vader come down uh, the the shuttle ramp and return the Jedi. And that was really my first actual, oh, what is that? Who is this? And it was David Prowse making that happen for me. So thank you, David. Yeah. All right. From there, from Darth Vader, we are going to, well, a hero, a couple heroes. I don't know. This just uh, kind of came out this morning as we were getting ready to record. We wanted to uh, kind of wedge it on into the news here. Anthony Breston can always does some uh, great reporting. He is a reporter. He's a, he's a, journalist in the old sense he's probably got a little hat that says press on it and, uh, <laughs> uh, anthony is uh, is a great cat uh, you and i both uh, uh, have worked with him and known him o- over the last couple of years uh he put out this uh dual interview stitched together like like he's uh dr frankenstein he's stitched together this interview <laughs> with dawson and, and filoni rosaria dawson dave filoni about Ahsoka Tano, about the Mandalorian. There's a lot in there. There's a lot to discuss, a lot of good things. Joseph, you and I, we can pick out uh, things we want to discuss in it, I guess, but also we want to focus on the thing that actually was added to the article after it came out. Yeah. The timeline question that a lot of people have about this recent chapter of Mandalorian. So, Joseph, where do you want to go in? Uh, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's start with the ending. Yes. That's that's very Star Warsy, <laughs> exactly, and kind of uh, goes with this question, which I had missed because I read it early in the morning, and then uh, and then yeah. more. There was more. Yeah, uh, Bresnikin uh, tweeted out. He said, "Thanks for all the retweets and and uh, favorites. Uh, we're going to add this." I'm like, "Is that how is that how it works? If we just we get it, we get bonus content if we uh, like the article." Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, like I said, for, again. Full spoilers, if you have not seen the end of Rebels, if you've not seen the end of this most recent Mandalorian, and you want to, we're going to dive into it here. Uh, The end of Rebels, the coda, the epilogue, includes the moment where Ahsoka the White, as we call her, uh, similar to Gandalf the White in Lord of the Rings, returns, grabs Sabine on Lothal and said, hey, we got to go find Ezra. He's out there somewhere with Thrawn. Uh, Now cut to chapter 13. This is part of the quest of Ahsoka Tano sitting there with the magistrate, uh, Morgan Elsbeth saying, hey, where's where's your master? Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? So where does it all fit in, Joseph? We love timelines. We love canon. We're junkies to that, you've heard. Yeah. Um, we like that too. We also like the spirit of the storytelling. Uh, so real quickly here, then I'll get your thoughts in here. Dave says this. I don't know. I think I should remove. I'll try. Maybe. I don't know. Here we go. Dave said this when asked of where does I, that scene fit in? Go yeah, I think it. you yeah. should just read the Bresnikin's oh. question and Filoni's quote. Why not? All right. We're doing this on the fly. This is like a good, Im- yes, and. All right, here we go. Uh, so the quest we learn is to search for the villain Grand Admiral Thrawn. The last time fans saw Ahsoka was the Springs, th- this spring's finale of the Clone Wars, but in the actual Star Wars chronology, uh, the last time we saw her was at the end of Rebels, venturing off with Sabine Wren to find Ezra Bridger, who vanished along with Thrawn. Where does that scene fit in where we find her in the Mandalorian, question mark? Dave Filoni, probably the sly grin behind a cowboy hat. Right. Uh, but no, it's an interesting one. That's not necessarily chronological. I think the thing that people will most not understand is they want to go in a linear fashion. But as I learned as a kid, nothing in Star Wars really works in a linear fashion. You do episodes four, five, and six, and then one, two, and three. So in the vein of that history, when you look at the, the epilogue of Rebels, you don't really know how much time has passed. So 
it's possible that the story I'm telling in The Mandalorian actually takes place prior to that. Possible. I'm saying it's possible. End <laughs> of <laughs> Joseph, what do you think about the felony of it all? Uh, I love this uh, for so many reasons. Uh, so after my wife and I did that viewing of Chapter 13, and she had some questions, because we watch you know, bits and pieces out of order, and she's like, can you remind me of Ahsoka's timeline? And it's like, I can, and I would love to. Are you okay? Because I'm going to go hard. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to tell you the variables. <laughs> I, envision, I envision you pulling down a chart, uh, like that Charlie uh, Charlie Day meme that goes around, just pulling down that chart behind your Christmas tree. It really was. She's like, no, it's okay. You can you can do it all. So I got to this, and I, and I said, uh, you know, not exactly this, but got to this crux of we've got this coda at the end of Rebels that feels like it's right after Endor, but there's nothing in it that confirms it's right after Endor. Right. So there's this room to say in chapter 13 of the Mandalorian, when she's like, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn, that it could be because she's desperate to find Ezra because uh, she hasn't found him yet. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that she went and tried to find Ezra with Sabine, something bad happened, and now she's really after Thrawn, and we just don't know which it is. Um and Sarah was like, oh, that's great. That's fun. And, I, and the, the reason that I just wanted to start here is because I think this is so important to how we talk about Star Wars, how Filoni talks about Star Wars. Uh, Filoni has said in other interviews that he likes to have a little bit of ambiguity in Star Wars, a little bit of wiggle room, because he himself as a fan knows that a part of it is, a part of the fun of Star Wars is wondering and maybe not ever having the answer or maybe not having the answer yet. And I just think that this is really important because this response from Filoni, we get to interpret, but what he's saying right now is there aren't firm answers. Right now, we don't, as fans, know exactly where in the timeline this is. You could interpret this as him hinting and saying, actually, what I want to do now is say, Ahsoka's on a mission to find the location of Grand Admiral Thrawn. When she knows that, then she'll get a white cloak and a cool staff and go tell Sabine that she's ready to go find Ezra. Uh, That sounds to me like what he's hinting at, Mm -hmm. timeline-wise. But again, it's so open for discussion and interpretation right now because we don't know. We we don't know. Um, I'll insert some silly real-world thoughts I, March 5th, 2018 was the aired finale of Rebels. As we know in animation, he's probably working on that ending two, three, four years prior. You know, like, like that's how it works. And the idea of a Disney Plus series with The Mandalorian and that the second season of it, you can incorporate some of these characters. I don't think it's in his brain. Uh, even though Mandalorian had two, three years prep of, of lead up time to actually get to this point. I, I honestly think it's similar to Clone Wars season seven, where he gets to go back when he didn't think he would. Yeah. And, and, and he, he, I'm not saying the, the, the Coda for now, I think the spirit of it was right after Endor. And there's some other things around, you know, the other character stuff we learn, Hera and her, and her son, everything that I, I'm like, okay, I think it's relatively right after Endor. He's right. There is no timestamp on it. <laughs> there is no uh, weeks later, six months later. There isn't really any of that. So it's totally open. But I just think now he's like, holy crap, I get to, I get to maybe go explore it in a different way. I'm going to go evaluate how I want to tell that story now. 
And that's definitely the spirit of Star Wars. That's what George has been doing to us a lot. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get a hold of that. I, I don't have it yet. The, the, the Paul Duncan Star Wars archives about the prequels and special edition because uh, there's some great stuff in there that I saw about the, the past. And also, I think it might even be the one I do have where there was that story conference in 81 uh, leading up to Return of the Jedi where George lays out a lot of the history and he tells Kazdan and Kazanjin and, and Marquand, no, 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 uh, Leia's mother had the kids, or you know, uh, Anakin's wife, and he's with Leia for about, she's with, I should say, Leia for about six months or so before she dies. Yeah, she goes to Alderaan with Leia. Yeah, and George goes back and tells it a different way because he's like, yeah, I, I, I want to. This is how it works for me. We, we talked a lot about it for Center, almost to the point, I, I don't want to finger wag, but it's just like, that's the spirit of storytelling versus putting down timelines on, on paper and broadcasting those. So I'm very open to the idea. I personally want it to be, I uh, want the Mandalorian to be after, but I like the idea of nine years of Ezra and Thrawn and Pergletown. Essentially <laughs> <laughs> from beginning New Hope to now, that'd be about nine years if they, they can't find him. I like that. Yeah, and I mean, it also, it extends the story possibilities to uh, Thrawn and Ezra's adventures tying in with the beginnings of First Order. And, and it gets us, it lets mm -hmm. us go like, hey, if there ever is this great um, Ahsoka and Sabine go finding Ezra and Thrawn, though, they might find Ray Carson too, you know? Yeah. Uh, Ray Sloan, yeah. Or Ray Sloan, author. excuse me, yeah. What, <laughs> Ray Carson author? is an author. Ray Sloan is a character. My apologies. Ray Carson's just out there writing. Hey, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> love that. They can find all the authors out there. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And and look, it, it's uh, it's uh, I I say it so much that it sounds like I said it. But you said it first here, and it's a, it is a force center thing of engaging with the story presented to you. Uh, it does not mean not speculate. It does not mean have your own theories. It does not mean have your own opinions on what you actually saw. Watch it just. It just means that just the story will roll out in front of you and you'll get what you get or, or, or you might not get the answer. You know, Bob Snoke, well, we might never know what Bob Snoke did before he became Snoke, you know, yeah. or Bob Snoke, his cousin. But um, the p potential is there. And now it is. You know, we Now we have this. That's, that's to me what I love about Disney Plus. And while I did re-up my subscription to the evil monster Disney, and I understand there's problems with that. I, <laughs> I'm there for that too. But I love what this does to me as a Star Wars fan. Now you could tell all these stories that you just couldn't do five, six years ago. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a big thing too for, for Filoni. We, we as Star Wars fans know that he is, you know, really the Padawan to Lucas and he has done a ton of the Star Wars storytelling that means a lot to us. Like, he's still in a corporate structure and he didn't maybe didn't have the keys to the kingdom enough to do some of the storytelling he can now. And I think that mm -hmm. makes a difference as well. Was he trained by George Lucas? I, ha I haven't heard him say that. Uh, <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> he was. He was. No, kidding. I love Filoni's philosophies. Seriously, I do. I, I really love, uh, you know, the stuff he puts out. I am all, I'm not going to tweet out a meme of me uh, praising a Filoni head in the sky like I saw going around last week. <laughs> but I, I absolutely, he's plugged into it. He, he understands this stuff so well, and, and I'll follow him on the adventure. Uh, anything else in the, in the interview that uh, jumped out to you that uh, we want to discuss here today? Yeah, two things. Just uh, one, just kind of the fun thing is, I think I'd maybe heard it somewhere before, but I didn't 
or seen it on on social media, but I didn't realize that Rosario Dawson had gone to college with Hayden Christensen or been in that uh, Shattered Glass movie. And I thought the yeah. interview, the photo in this interview of them uh, together, and I know a lot of people have already seen this, and it's one of the reasons that they fan-casted uh, Rosario mm-hmm. Dawson in their mind. But that was fun for me because if I had seen it before, I forgot about it. And now that she yeah. is Ahsoka for sure, that was really fun to see <laughs> a picture mm-hmm. of Anakin and Ahsoka hugging in college. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a small world sometimes, this industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the other quote that I wanted to talk about for just a minute, Ken, is, uh, so Bresnikin says, the episode is called The Jedi, but Ahsoka's whole identity is based around leaving the Order. Right. And Filoni says, yeah, I think something fans like about the character is that she's rather complex. They all focus very hard on the line, I'm no Jedi from Star Wars Rebels, but it's undeniable that she's trained by the Jedi. I think to most observers, she is very Jedi to them. I would argue in some ways, by being so selfless and rejecting a lot of the past that would have given her power, she's more Jedi-like than even some of the characters who claim to be Jedi. I thought that was great. What's that? Burn. (laughs) A burn on other Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I think because there's been a discussion about, uh, you know, her being called the Jedi uh, in this episode. Uh, You know, I brought it up of it's called the Jedi and Ahsoka doesn't seem to uh, take the time or the energy to correct anyone. Uh, when they call her uh, a Jedi, you know, think about more too. I just kind of felt like, eh, well, if 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 Filoni really wanted that to be a discussion point, you know, he would have made room in the episode for it. I think, mm-hmm. um, but I also just thought I, I was drawn to this because I think this is another point where uh, I think Star Wars is written to leave room for debates, and I think Filoni likes that from what he said in other interviews, and I think. That for me, I'm fascinated by this story that there was the Jedi Order. They gave Ahsoka many uh, uh, perspectives and beliefs that she ingrained. And then when she got upset with the Jedi Order, it's because they weren't living up to what they had taught her. So I don't ever see her as rejecting the core principles of what it is to be a Jedi. I see it as her rejecting the Jedi Order because they were failing on those principles. So I, I really like this idea that the order fell, the pageantry and structure around how you get labeled officially by a Jedi and who gets to hand out the title, that stuff is all gone. And mm-hmm. Ahsoka is pursuing the path that she thinks is most Jedi-like. So for me, I think I just really felt that um, as somebody who's always on about justice for the Jedi... That's one of the things I really loved about the episode is, yeah, maybe she was having a direct conversation with uh, with Luke eventually, or if we get to see her have a, you know a a force uh, Skype meditation chat with Yoda, maybe maybe those issues will be more more up for grab. But I like that she's just like the order's gone. Here are the principles that I live by, and if people want to call me a Jedi, I'm gonna let them because I'm trying right. to be my definition of that. And the spirit of it matters more to her right now than the technical definition of the title is the way that I really enjoy it as a fan. I, I'm right there with you on it. I think the kind of the growth of, of Ahsoka and her, her journey and becoming herself is so powerful to so many people. And I, I've, I, I've taken my own things from it personally in my life and my upbringing and and being raised and, and, and trained in certain areas and, and, and going, well, that doesn't, your actions don't match up to what you're even telling me to be. And, and it doesn't, you know, 
no no baby tossed out with the bathwater here is what to, to the, <laughs> some, start with Ahsoka. Like let's let's get to the core of what this really means, and that's been very powerful. And I think therefore it is justice for the Jedi, right? Just just for the concept. It's what you 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 keep talking about, and and it, and it continues. I think why I really do love this episode. Um, uh, when people have asked me over the last couple of days, text me, oh, did you love it? What's your favorite part? It's like, it's the campfire stuff, man. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And as someone, you know, who has said before, I love the rebellion and the empire. Give me some fighting and some pew, pew, pews. I don't follow the Jedi as much as others have, but I'm fascinated about what it means to be a Jedi. And you can continue to ask that question and, and, and lessons can still come from that, that all the way up to Luke, uh, in Last Jedi, this, this is this is this is fascinating stuff, and I think it really worked. And, and the title, I still think it has. Uh, I interpret it have, have uh, for me a little bit more of just the general too of the Jedi in the in the galaxy right now. What does it mean? And because and, she mentions there's only so few of them left, and uh, I'm intrigued by who that might mean. Luke, Ezra, Cal Kestis, all these names, or or something <laughs> completely different. Or Quinlan Vos. Yeah, you, you suggested Quinlan, Quinlan Vos, which would be great because he's one of those Jedi that's like. Let's let's ask ourselves what it is to be a Jedi. Yeah, I think that's great stuff. So I think it all works, and that's why that title uh, spoke to me. Yeah, yeah, and I was just happy to see uh, Bresnikin's uh, so great at being. Yes, he he could easily cosplay uh, Clark Kent and Superman. He's a great like reporter guy, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's also just such a, a uh, thorough uh, uh, Star Wars fan as well. It's great for him to ask those questions. So it's really fun to see. Uh, see an uh, article like this that's like really reflects the things that fans are talking about, you know, in their excitement over this episode. Absolutely. A lot in the article, uh, you know, bigger things and even a mention of, of Yaddle and, and Filoni joking that maybe he should have said it, it's a baby Yaddle. But uh, <laughs> all that's in there, we recommend you check it out, read everything in it for yourself. It's on Vanity Fair right now or just, uh, you know, f- go follow Anthony Bresnikin on Twitter. And he'll have some uh, links to it as well. Support the Brez. Support the Brez. Uh, next story here. Uh, we've got uh, the Rise of Skywalker comic adaptation has been canceled, though I still think that that's not a period on the end of that sentence. Uh, this uh, looking at uh, the fine folks at Star Wars Newsnet kind of uh, put together this article in a uh, easy way for me to uh, look at all the things going on here back in February. And shout out to Miguel Fernandez is the one who wrote this story on Star Wars News Net. Back in February, Marvel announced the Rise of Skywalker adaptation uh, was coming, uh, as uh, as uh, every other movie has had. And uh, Jody Hauser, who you and I, you know Jody, and and Jody I, has just been one of my favorite Star Wars writers with a lot of her comic stuff recently. Uh, she was going to be doing it. Uh, then uh, in um, April, because of COVID, they postponed it, uh, uh, moving that and a lot of other things uh, uh back a bit and then on may 27th uh rise of skywalker was not dated if you're following the timeline now after months of uncertainty and speculation writes miguel it now appears the new series will not be released at all um but like i said there you know there's always a way (laughs) (laughs) away we got the novel adaptation uh by ray carson as you mentioned uh, that's probably why she was on your mind there not Um, in the unknown regions that's ray sloan i apologize uh, they also are not going to reprint Rise of Kylo Ren number four. So let's talk about this, Joseph, what this means. I think on the surface, there's a lot, lot related to the pandemic. Uh, but what uh, what say you, sir? Yeah, I hope they release it eventually. Uh, I think Jody is a, a great Star Wars writer, a great uh, Star Wars adapter, as she's proven. She is a, uh, a pal of mine, so I would love it uh, for her. I, I know that she was excited for it uh, when last I talked to her about it. Uh, she did not spill any 
any thoughts or secrets just uh, expressed that she was excited and I was excited for her. Um, so yeah, I really hope that they release it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of inside the Star Wars bubble news enough that it hasn't linked, linked out to like a, a clickbait of like more evidence that the Rise of Skywalker is bad kind of uh, articles. Um, yeah. But I do, I think that he, there's a fascinating thing with the Skywalker saga of it is undeniably powerful uh, but the world is kind of changing around it as The Rise of Skywalker came out, right? Uh, to mm-hmm. have this be the first Skywalker saga film where Hasbro, Kenner, you know, slash Hasbro, uh, didn't make classic three and three-quarter action figures specifically for the film, right? There were a couple of the vintage figures. Um, you know, we got the novelization. That was great. And uh, hopefully the comic book adaptation won't be like that where the action figures uh, didn't come out. Uh, because it just it kind of feels like the world is changing. Things need to adapt and things need to be a little bit different. But I want the the some of the kind of classic things that come with the movie to all be there for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it, it, yeah, the figure thing. It it seems it was a like a little blip on my radar screen. I know I know you were were um, affected by it. Not not necessarily more than me, but I just I I didn't stop to think of wow that ends something. That's something that's you know. So this has just always been taxes, yep. death, and Star Wars figures and, and comics tied to the movies. Uh, so we didn't get that, but I think you're right. It, it's it's changing. The markets are changing, and you just can't deny that, right? Like I I I am I can't uh, I cannot go to um, my shop right now, uh, and, and I am a physical comic buyer, and I haven't switched to digital. It's affected my my viewing, my reading, I, I haven't touched the new Afro series. Uh, I'm behind on the Vader series in the main line by two months. Um, and that uh, podcasts have changed. You and I have seen that the numbers different, not necessarily bad or better, but just different. Uh, people's habits have changed this year. And, and I, I got to think that had something to do with what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. So I have great hopes that uh, it will, uh, it will come out and see the light of day eventually. And I'll be excited to read it. I will too. Yeah. And again, uh, in close, uh, yeah, Jody, Jody Hauser, her adaptation of, of the first Thrawn novel is, is great. Cause it, I, I was okay with that novel. You know, I like it. I like it enough, but she brought out parts of that story that just, I uh, was like, ah, got it. Love it. So she's great, uh, great writer. And I hope uh, she gets her, um, gets a chance on this one where we get a chance to see it with whatever was done. Final thing. We always check in on Mando Mondays, just another Mando Monday. There you go. Uh, the, I don't know. This was okay. We got some cool toys. Long live the Empire. Gideon uh, shirt. Uh, uh, some timepieces. I don't wear a timepiece anymore, Joseph. So I, I have a phone. Uh, there, talk about th- talk about things changing. <laughs> um, do you want to get this timepiece from In- Invicta? That was the thing that I was most excited about. I probably won't purchase it, but the it's a cool watch with the armor's helmet on it, and I the armor was one of my favorite characters going into season one, and uh, the spoilers continue. I'm even more intrigued uh, by the armor now, knowing she's a cult leader. <laughs> for good or for <laughs> ill, she is a cult leader. And it's like, hey, get this cult leader for a watch. And I, I can't wait to see her again, speaking about what we don't know yet. We just don't know. Yeah. We don't know if, uh, you know, wh- why she did what she did, you know, uh, and why she did not uh, tell uh, Din Djarin updated truths about the galaxy and instead just told him about some songs that may have been sung in Eon's past. <laughs> Eon's past, the story of the armor. Love it. Yeah, I, I do the the fourth class droid print from Acme Archives. It's a uh, IG-11 uh, with the uh, 
little satchel on the child. Uh, it's great. Uh, it, it, it speaks to me now that it didn't during uh, season one because um, our oldest Chihuahua, uh, Ratsy, Adelaide is her, is her birth name. Uh, she's a little older. She's 16 and a half and she just can't get around as much anymore. So we have like a little uh, baby Bjorn type thing. And I've spent all weekend and most of Thanksgiving with our Chihuahua strapped to the front of me. <laughs> baby, really like uh, Grogu here. And so now I, uh, I, I'm connecting more with Mandalorian and IG-11 than I, than I thought. Yeah. Um, so I might, who knows, maybe I'll pick up that print. I find myself wondering if and when and how fast uh, all of this mountain of merchandise will be changed from the child to Grogu. So I gosh, I would love to give them credit. I, I can't. Someone in our four center discord said, uh, said that they, they said, Oh man, I, uh, yeah, the, I'm looking forward to a new, just a uh, paraphrase, but a cavalcade of, of new, <laughs> new old material with new names on it. Old <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So hey, it's a beauty of it. Uh, there you go. We'll always keep you updated on Mendo Mondays. Why it is uh, while it is going on. Uh, that is the news. Uh, but before we get on to your cues after the break, we want to do our four center recommends an audiobook We think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we got? Uh, this week we have from a certain point of view, the empire strikes back edition. We are going to be finishing our review of that this coming Thursday. So check it out. Absolutely. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. Quick break. We're going to reset on the other side. Your questions here on force center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. everybody welcome back to force center as i said up top episode 275 and uh, the exact count joseph is I, have to, I wrote it down somewhere i was going to add to it but i think we're approaching 900 total broadcasts when 900 total broadcasts you reach <laughs> be good so well no, maybe we'll celebrate maybe i'll finally do the official count but happy to be with you here all on the news and cues uh this has been a lot of fun for us to uh we decided to do this uh a bit ago this year, break up uh, the main show uh, so we could take our time with our deep dives, take our time with the news, but also more importantly, take our time with your questions because you always send a bunch of great questions in. Joseph, what do we have this week? Yeah, we got some questions from Twitter and Patreon as always. We start with Twitter. We got one from Glenn Davis. Glenn says, I've been listening to Star Wars audiobooks and after Dooku and Master and Apprentice, I've been a bit obsessed with Rail Avaros. What medium would you like to see him appear in next? I'm just going to jump in and say all of them. I really like Rail Avaroth. Uh, but Ken, where do you go with this? Where would you like to see Rail again? I mean, look, I'll, I want more of Rail Avaroth because 
overall, my view on him is really positive. I am fascinated by a Jedi that's like, let's drink and get down. All right, we're good. Talk about what it means to be a Jedi. He's got some thoughts. Um, the voice choice was not bad. I just, I still, I, I was on my walking path in Burbank. I wish someone was videotaping me the first time Ray Ross's voice pops up in, the, in Tuku Jedi House because I, I had to stop. What are the, what are, Oh, yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. Rail. It's a bit of a drawl, right? Rail Eveross here, Qui-Gon. We're going to go ahead and uh, have some <laughs> drinks and be Jedi. I like it, it man. Really, he really did sound like he was going to do a cigarette commercial on a 1940s <laughs> radio show. Uh, yes. Um, give me Sam Elliott. Uh, you know, put him in there. Any other, uh, you know. I don't know who you could, you know, Kurt Russell. Too. I don't know. I don't care. All, all those. Uh, I think Benjamin Bratt is who Claudia Gray said she was picturing. Yes, she did say that, right? I, I love Benjamin Bratt going all the way back to Demolition Man. So let's go to Taco Bell for dinner, dancing, and Real Avaros in there as well. As far as where he is, <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, you know, uh, uh, give me a get Disney's Plus series on uh, Inside the Jedi, Inside the Jedi Temple, just a series of in canon on screen interviews with Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for more uh, individual Jedi storytelling. I think that we're, we're obviously going to get a ton of that in High Republic, but I would yeah. love to have more Jedi stories with uh, with characters we already know because I think we've been getting more and more as more Jedi characters get uh, created of letting them have their own uh, eccentricities, their own perspectives, uh, really be shaped by the events in their life. And what I like about Rail Avros is he's he's not just a Jedi who's like, what, I'm, I'm sloppy and I drink too much and mm-hmm. uh, sex is an attachment. What? What's your problem? Why yeah. are you uptight? I think that's all fun and that's great and I love it, but I love that it's coming from a place that he had this great tragedy, you mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. of losing someone. It kind of drove him to that perspective, but that you know, in the first story we meet him in, he he does reaffirm his connection to the light that mm. he is a Jedi. It's just he's got some different ideas about exactly how mu- that might look. And uh, again, going back to this like uh, idea of like sometimes the rules are really really necessary. You can't some rules you can't break, some rules you can't bend. Mm. Uh, but other times the spirit is what matters. And I think he's a, he's really fascinating to be yet another perspective on that of what is the spirit of the Jedi. And which which rules are bendable, which rules are breakable, and which aren't. Um, so I would love to see him uh, in a book or a comic. I think that makes sense uh, to see him pop up there. We don't know the end of his uh, existence. Right. Uh, so I would also, I'll throw him out here, you know, if, if, and again, we're full Mando spoilers on here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Mandalorian's uh, latest uh, role-playing game mission <laughs> is to climb to the top of the mountain on the Jedi Temple on Tython and, and put Grogu on the scene stone. And then Grogu may or may not call out uh, to a Jedi. Uh, yeah, I'll take Rail Avros there. That would be, How weird would that be? How exciting would that be? This very old man who, you know, just was disillusioned and survived Order 66, but stayed out of it, but has a real different perspective. Why not? Sure, I'll, I'll throw him on the the possibility pile with uh, Quinlan Voss and Ezra and Cal Kestis, Sarah Junda, throw them on the possible Jedi pile. That's great. Uh, first of all, because I love the idea of the Mandalorian becoming a, a show where a bunch of characters, John Favreau has no idea are start showing up. 
<laughs> what if Favreau does come to the the you know it, not like he isn't leading the yeah. story developing thing, but like a guy. Okay, so there's this Jedi who survived Order sixty six, right? And he's real old and gruff, and maybe like a little bit of a Southern drawl, and like he smokes death sticks and he has sex, and like everybody in the room is like, yes, Rail Avros. <laughs> And Favre's like, son of a... You, you, you telling me there's that character, too? Uh, I love this fictitious Mandalorian writer's room. You and I keep uh, referencing that we think all this happens. Um, yeah, that's a great choice. Uh, on Rel Avros, I'm glad uh, Glenn Davis asked this question. And gosh, I hope that's former Houston Astros slugger Glenn Davis that listens to Force Center. Probably not. Glenn, God bless you. Um, just uh, go again. I was like, growing up, you know, this this story would have been fallen to the dark side. And I love that you highlighted that Real Avros isn't about that. Uh, it, it is more complicated, deliciously complicated and more real and is about kind of what we're talking about with Ahsoka, too, of, of, of just analyzing what it is to be a Jedi and different ways to approach it. But always, you know, again, leaning towards the light or, or going towards the light. That's really fascinating stuff to me. And I think as I as I have said in 900 episodes, you know, again, you, you, a lot of you <laughs> said, I've probably other spotlight Star Wars episodes where I've just been like, eh, not so much. I'm not, I'm not into the Jedi as much as others. True, true for a different time, different time in my fandom and different time in Star Wars. Um, I am so intrigued by Jedis with questions, Jedis with obstacles and, and Jedis with stumbles versus the shining white knights with the blue or green lightsabers or purple, always ready to fight the guys and the gals with the red ones. Like that is the overall story because it's light versus dark. But I love taking a deep dive into it. So yeah, give me give me some real love for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's I think what is really fascinating to me about the Jedi and some of the great Jedi storytelling that that we've always had, but we're getting, I think, spread out over more eras, more Jedi is the point is it's a difficult path and they care very, very much and they try to stay on that path and find a way that works for them and they stumble. And then when they stumble, sometimes they give up for a while because they care so much. And I just love getting that storytelling of uh, characters who hold themselves to an incredibly high ideal and then wrestle with how to cope with it when they when mm-hmm. that idea of how to do that evolves or when they make a mistake. And I think that's the storytelling that we're getting with somebody like Ahsoka, who is very pure ultimately, but even, even Ahsoka is like, okay, this is, this is a hard path to walk and I, I got to find it, you know, and I got to question it again and again throughout my life. Jedi are heroes, but how do they get to that point of choosing to be a hero time and time again is fascinating stuff. Yeah, and how do they stay on the path? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for letting us talk about Rail Avros. I'm sure we will talk about the character again. I really hope he returns uh, sometime soon. Moving on to our next question from Anthony Poirier. Uh, Anthony says, is there a Lego Star Wars set, ship, or minifigure that they haven't yet made that you'd buy without hesitation? Personally, I think a line of lightsaber hilts would be wizard. Thanks, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you as well, Anthony. Uh, Ken, you have been collecting Star Wars Lego sets. You've been building them uh, yeah. right on the airwaves of Twitch yeah. <laughs> in front of everybody. Uh, how do you feel about this? Uh, yes, uh, and on Brick Building with Ken, what, what, a, what a title. Um, we just uh, completed the U-Wing, uh, which comes with five great minifigs. I have this weird habit while I'm broadcasting. I, I like to have like a just kind of a, a, not a fidget, I'm not a fidget spinner person, but just like I, I have something in my hands. And and uh, lately, you'll you'll hear me talking on Force Center, and you'll hear this sound. That's usually a Lego minifig falling out of my hands. <laughs> I got Jid in my hand right now. I got a Rebel Soldier. I got Cassie Andor. Bista, 
on. Oh, Jennifer Landon would love this one. And then a U-Wing pilot. So I love these sets. I love building them. I love what they just, you know, truly, they kind of capture the, the imagination of Star Wars. I've been a Lego fan since uh, I was a child in the early 80s. So this set, this, this question is great. I... I'm going big. I'm going big, Joseph. Um, I've got, well, I'll, I'll saw, this is like a $20 set. I want Quill's hut. I want his little house. Give me Quill. Oh, yeah. IG-11. Um, give me a, uh, give me a Blurg. And maybe uh, give me a child minifig, too. And Mando coming for a, you know, coming for some, uh, for some chowder. Um there's that. But then I, I decided that that's a small set. That's one of those $20 sets. You're at Target buying milk and eggs and you're like, all right, and I'll buy I'll buy a Lego set. But then there's the bigger ones. I have I have that Death Star one. Uh, I don't know if I'll, when I'll be able oh, to build wow. it. I have the Cloud City one. It's huge. Uh, I could put wheels on it and drive it as a car. I want that size set, but I want the Navarro set, the Main Street of Navarro where I want mm. grief and I want Cara Dune and IG-11. I want that school, but I also want it to be a bar. Give me Moff Gideon. Give me some stormtroopers. Maybe even include a Thai Outlander in it. Definitely an E-Web so you can recreate that speech. Uh, I want all of that. And, of course, the asset. Or excuse me, not the asset, but the client who wants the asset. Oh, yeah. Give me a Werner Herzog, a Werner Herzog Lego minifig. That's what <laughs> I need. And then have the Navarro Main Street. And then the other one. I'll kick it back to you here, Joseph. This might be the biggest set, even surpassing the Death Star. I want the Colossus. Oh, my. I want the Colossus. By definition, that name, it's going to be big. Yeah. I want this to be a, you know, 10,000-piece Lego set. I want Aunt Z's bar. I want the, I want the, you know, Fireball. I want Jaeger. I want all, I want everyone on there. Give me a BB-8 as well to, uh, Give me Poe for all I care. Give me First Order. I want the giant <laughs> Colossus set that uh, you got to rent a storage space just to build it and, and display it. Oh, that is great. I think those are all great selections. Yeah. Um, yeah, for myself, I have not collected because of space. And I'm afraid, like, once I get one, like, I'll just get more. But I am, I truly must be mindful mm. of which Star Wars things I purchase. I think uh, the sets that might break me to be in an automatic purchase are uh some mandalorian ones i know there's some coming but uh, man what you're describing is really really great uh i would love uh maybe a big razor crest that's of uh, absolutely falling apart uh that uh, mm. also has a uh, frog lady <laughs> yes oh yeah an updated in one grogu yep. yeah i would really really like that uh and then uh i would love the uh the Caledon City gates with the bell that gets cut in half and the uh, Ahsoka with the two white blades minifig and, uh, and Mando and, uh, of course, Grogu. Of course, of course Grogu. Of course. Uh, yeah, in a silver ball that's so small, you you just have to believe it's there because it's actually too small to produce with the yeah. minifig. Um, hmm. So there's some Mando ones that jump to mind. Yeah. Um, but the, the ones I think that you and I have talked about before, I really, really want... Some uh, Palpatine from Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I would love Palpatine's Lab of Horrors uh, with a little minifig of Palpatine hanging from the claw arm. Uh, weird bubbling things. A uh, a minifig of Snoke floating yeah. <laughs> in fluid. That would be great. Or half of Snoke. Uh, or if a big set, the the Sith Arena with both yeah. uh, uh, Palpatine hanging from the claw arm and 
Palpatine who made himself a fancy new suit with the uh, dyad energy. Mm. And of course, then you get the dyad. Then you get yeah. a great Ray minifig that comes with Luke's saber, uh, Leia's saber. And then, of course, you get great Ben Solo minifig. And then you get uh, thousands of nameless Sith cultists. <laughs> Just set comes with a thousand minifigs. <laughs> a thousand nameless Sith cultists. Those are great choices. And, and you got me thinking, we're not done with this question yet, because you got me thinking, yeah, you, you could do a Palpatine through the years series. You could do the, oh. uh, this, uh, you know, squid-like uh, box uh, scene there. And I was like, they could go back to Phantom Menace. Then I was like, you know what they need? They need the Naboo throne room with, with Padme and the handmaidens. Oh, yeah. Seal Bibble, Panaka. They need to go back to that. Maybe a young, uh, young Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon there, and young Annie, too. Like, uh, I think you could do that. I'd like that. Oh, yeah. The set that I have been most tempted by, and again, like I have literally picked them up and then said to myself, no, no, out loud in a target. Uh, the one that I'm most tempted by is the uh, Vader surgery because I just, I love it when it's like, it's a fun toy like Lego and it's a pretty horrible thing. Yeah, uh, it's great. I, I do have that one. And I got to say, you would, you would, uh, here's the thing I'll say. Oh gosh, I'm trying to convince you to buy something that you really can't, can't, can't. Um, price to go, fair price. But once you build that one, it could fit on the corner of a desk so easily. Ah, oh, damn it. It's damn it. it's tinier than you think, but it's so great. And yes, because you got the little flippity-doo action where you can you put in Anakin, boom, and then he comes back out as Darth Vader. It's great. Oh, all right. I might need a flipping surgery table, Anakin <laughs> Vader. I might need it. Might need it. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> great question, Anthony. We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. Uh, first up, Chris Kiefer. Chris says, I love the episode Ken and Billy did with the in-universe podcasts and shows. Simply brilliant. I always thought it would be fun to see an in-universe amazing race type show. Collect a clue from Dexter's Diner, then race off to Jabba's Palace <laughs> where you have to play back a sequence on the red ball jet organ that Max Rebo teaches you in order to get the next clue. Then it's off to Lothal for the next leg. Amazing race is done in teams of two. So my question is, who would you like to team up with in the Star Wars Amazing Race? Assume they can't use their powers or political influence as an advantage. Mm. So, oh, that, that changes it if you're mm. not, you can't just be like Mace Windu and he'll smash everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Who's your Amazing Race Star Wars partner? Uh, for, shout out to my, this is my buddy Chris. He's the best librarian in Southern California. All right, there you all heard it there from me. Um so I okay. So this is uh, I was more of a Survivor fan than I was Amazing Race, but I'd watch some Amazing Race. And uh, I, here's what I, you need: someone that's going to know their way around the galaxy. But even if they don't know their way, they can still find their way. Good communication skills, and I think also be a little crazy. Like little, like they they can be daring. And Din Djarin's an option. He he knows his way around the galaxy. But I I I, I got two choices, Joseph. I got Padme who has mm. no problem going around the galaxy. He tells Anakin, I'm going to save Obi-Wan. You can come with me or not, but whatever. I'm heading out. And she's uh, not afraid to go on missions and, and Clone Wars and go to places that are a little dangerous or heed the call, but also uh, it's a diplomatic skills. Um, I know he says, Chris says, you can't use political influence, but I'm talking about just political skills. She can yeah. do that. And then, yeah, Dr. Afra is the other one. It's hard not to choose Afra. She kind of is her own amazing race. Um, now, she might cause more problems for you. And that's often why I don't choose Afra as a character in some of these fun questions. Because she might betray you, right, she, if she needs to. She might betray you. She's gonna, her mouth's going to get you in trouble with some uh, you know, crime lord you're stealing from. But 
without a doubt, she has friends in low places, like a good old uh, uh, Garth Brooks song. All right, uh, and <laughs> she find her way around the galaxy, and she's fun. She's funny. She's got a great personality. Good conversation. Uh, if you're stuck in a ship going around the galaxy, I, 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 I'll talk to Afra, you know, um, love Padme. Padme might be at times dour, a lot on her shoulders, a lot of the galaxies on, on, her on, her, on her shoulders. And, and, um, you know, I want to see if I can get Padme to laugh like she's, uh, in a field of shack. Um, but, but, um, <laughs> uh, so I might go Afra, and that's, and those are my choices. I think Afra's a, a really great choice. Uh, my mind went to uh, one specific person. I think when I was like, ooh, amazing race, I started to think about pilots and then uh, navigation. And I was like, well, uh, L3, L3, uh, 37, yeah. right? Because yeah. she is established, is knowing the galaxy incredibly well and that she probably knows shortcuts. And she would be very, very fun to hang out with. And yeah, I, I understand uh, that Chris is limiting the question. So you can't yeah. just say like, yeah, I'm going to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi and he mind tricks everybody and he finds <laughs> that you're like, yeah, we can't, you got to, you know, actually do it. Yeah. But uh, L3 also is uh, clearly uh, strong, would be able to uh, defend yeah. <laughs> me from any physical dangers that we might encounter on a Star Wars Amazing Race. So I got to go with L3. That's a great answer. Uh, great. Yeah, L3, I was, uh, in watching Solo again, much to discuss around the character of L3. I, I understand that. We always acknowledge that. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I've, I've started to appreciate L3 even more uh, just uh, for what she represents and, and what she brings to the Star Wars galaxy. So, uh, yeah. and she's got the best, like I said, knows her way around the galaxy better than anyone. Best navigational database around. That Good is stuff. right. So I think she would help me win Amazing Race, uh, but I think uh, you and Afra would probably uh, be able to steal it from us. <laughs> yeah, if Afra doesn't kill me first. <laughs> it's such a great choice. Afra is a great character. I'm looking forward to uh, spending more time with her comic books uh, when I can find some time. Uh, but we're going to move on now to our final question uh, from Alden Diaz. Alden Diaz has done what we invite our Patreon uh, listeners to do, which is to uh, write a little bit of an essay, share some of their own thoughts, and then ask our questions on that topic as well. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Alden says, hey, guys, today I want to ask you to dive into the emotional realms of your mind. What Star Wars moments sparked the most unexpected and most powerful emotional reactions in your hearts and minds. I think that a lot of the beauty of the galaxy far, far away is how it can hit us seemingly out of nowhere with these profound beats of personal connection. Sometimes these moments don't even register register until after they've happened. For example, lately I personally have gone to chapter eight of the first season of The Mandalorian. The entire season had me hooked and I knew I cared a lot about these characters. But I never expected to openly shed tears when Grief Karga looked at Din in the child and said, or maybe he'll take care of you. That coupled with the shot of the baby looking over Din's shoulder as they flew away on the jetpack, mirroring Din's childhood experience with his Mandalorian savior, just hit me on every possible level of my dad issues and my tendency to seek out found family. Taika Waititi, John Favreau, Carl Weathers, and that damn adorable baby puppet reached into my soul and hugged the young version of me who was forever changed by the return of the Jedi Death Star 2 duel, or the version of me five years ago who watched Han reach out to his son on Starkiller Base, Din flying away with his newly adopted son is Star Wars to me. So I'm curious if you have moments that affect you in similar ways, moments that feel uniquely yours. Thanks. Thank you, Alden. Great question. Ken, where do you go with this, with this uh, idea that there are moments that are, you appreciate them, for what they mean in the story of Star Wars, but they maybe touch something that's really personal to you or to your life experience uh, in the way that Alden's describing. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, I struggle with 
with the right answers to this question in a good way. I, I you know, forced me to kind of dig deep and, and find out, you know, all the kind of phrases as, as a little bit of a surprise, unexpected, right? Um, yeah. And there's a lot of things. I go to Rise of Skywalker. I, I've never cried as, as much as I have in any other Star Wars movie, proud to say. And, and that's why for me that movie works. I know it doesn't for others, but uh, there's a, so the, but there's a lot of moments in that that I would have, going in, I would have been like, I bet if I see something related to this or I see this, the passing of Leia or something like that, I will, I will cry. I was always unexpectedly moved in the moment of it's, it's not a Navy, it's, it's people more than a way I would have thought. Um, but those are things that I, I've talked about before or could say, yeah, I would have guessed. Um, they would have got me. I will say there's two that, that I really decided upon, and I try, I try to look all across the galaxy for this answer, Alden. Two. I'll start with simple one. Rise of Skywalker. Chewie getting Han's medal, or what we know as Han's medal, uh, but if you're just watching the movie casually, you're like, Chewie got his medal. Uh, it works on both levels, by the way, for me. That got me in the first viewing and still gets me now, and I think I connect to a little bit of being the one who, who you know, this is going all, all through my life. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of fun in this digital media career last four or five years, and you and I, Joseph, have a lot of uh, dedicated listeners who are pleased to meet us, and we are pleased to meet them, and and that's a fun experience. But prior to my life, I'm a little bit of the one in the shadows, the one on the side. I am the one who comes off stage, and someone runs up to me and says, tell me about your friend. Like, I, I've lived a lot of that kind of stuff, <laughs> and I struggle with it. Um, it's issues. Like Alden says, he acknowledges some of the issues that lead him to search for found family storylines. So that's a little bit of me. And Chewie's kind of the classic number two. Uh, uh, who's there, a backbone, uh, keeps things going. And I, I just was really moved by Maz going, hey, by the way, this is for you. And yes, it's Han and it connects to that, but it's just also a little bit of publicly now, you get this because you you earned this and it's yours and I want you to have it. I want you to wear it proudly. And that shot of him showing everyone else, look what I got, look what I got. It moved me, man. It moved me in, in, um, I just, again, unexpected. So there's that one. And then I'll say um, Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order, end of season five, was great. It was great when I watched it. But in in studying it um, and and, and highlighting it as one of the moments I wanted to write about in my book or even our discussion of, of Ahsoka stuff this week, I keep going back to that as one of my favorite Star Wars moments for what it means, you and I, it's come up a lot in this episode, even with Rael Avros, of just what it means to be a Jedi and, and, and changing my perspective on that, but also attaching to things in my own life of um, being raised certain ways that I, and I don't think the ways were wrong. I just think the reasons got lost along the way. Mm. And, it's a very Star Wars experience. Yeah. And that it, I still who I am, I, I am who I am and I believe what I believe and I, thinks things work, but uh, then expanding your, just stepping out into a larger galaxy and see, looking back and going, well, this, this, that could have caused problems. That does cause problems. And I want to find a new way that's all me, but doesn't sacrifice anything that I've been before. And Ahsoka continues to be that. That's why I say she's one of my favorite characters. You always say you look up to Ray and want to be like Ray, which is something I would agree with too. But I look at Ahsoka and I continue to learn from the character. Even now, I'm excited to see what uh, live-action Ahsoka can continue to teach me. And I don't know, and it doesn't always mean I have the answers from it. It just means it's like a study. It's a meditation. And and forcing yourself to even find 
your way. And, and there's some real world issues and real world conversation points and perspectives and experiences I have and old jobs and everything where I, I still go, I, I, I am always going to be that, but I realize there's going to be a better way or a different way that more attaches to, to the heart of it. And that's the journey of Ahsoka and her leaving the Jedi order that episode. It gets me. It's, it's really powerful for lots of different, you know, big philosophical reasons for lots of star Wars reasons, you know, the, the, the gut punch uh, to Anakin, but just that strength of walking away from something, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, for her, it's, it's so much and it's philosophical and all that, but I think it's powerful to those moments, you know, uh, particularly when we're growing up of when we get to know ourselves enough to go, I don't think this is where I should be. I need to walk away from this, but the easiest thing to do would be to stay at, you know, this school, stay, you know, mm-hmm. in this degree, stay in this job, stay with this group of friends, uh, and to have the power to turn away from it is is really, really powerful. And I think it Ahsoka's journey in that moment resonates from lots of different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Still does. Yeah. yeah very strong. Great question, Alden. Um, I don't think it is uniquely mine in any way. Uh, but I think for me, and I know I've talked about it before, but the twin sunsets, Luke staring out at the twin sunsets, I think in some ways, uh, Star Wars grows and evolves and changes, but that for me is the anchor of Star Wars, mm-hmm. of that uh, that wistful feeling of I am a part of something and there's more out there and I just don't know what my part is and I'm really anxious to go find it. It's so hopeful and wistful all at the same time. And I think when I was watching Star Wars a lot, you know, I, I saw the movies when I was a kid and I got to watch them there on TV every once in a while they'd be on in the library and I would, you know, try to convince my mother to just sit in the library for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when I got to really just watch them again and again is when I finally had them on VHS and, you know, and I, that's when I really started to memorize every little beat that I enjoyed. Um, and that was when, you know, I was really, you know, getting to that age where I really, really wanted to go out into the world. Mm. And I think, that's when that moment really just truly became the anchor of Star Wars for me. So that one's always going to be powerful. I think one of the powers of it is that moment seems to speak to everyone. Everyone can just hear that, feel that. It might mean different things to different people, uh, but that one is so powerful. And then, uh, you know, a a couple of recent ones, the Hans, Hans cheek touched the, you know, Mm -hmm. Alden mentioned it as well. Um, The, uh, the emotional effect of that, of knowing that Han is a character who struggles with his emotions. Uh, there's the there's a way that Harrison Ford carries himself in Force Awakens uh, that he's got that beat up, you know, older jacket, even though he claims it's new. He's got that hmm. uh, white hair. You know, uh, I'm not saying my dad is as handsome as Harrison Ford. Apologies to my father. But uh, he, he's got some, like, physical like energy stuff. And, and my dad's got like this big uh, sort of mane of, of gray hair that has like an energy to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in my dad is somebody who to his credit was not raised to be open with his emotions at all. Mm-hmm. And has recognized that and has always worked to open himself up. Um, and to, so Han really doing that for his son and, you know, uh, and, that that moment that means there's nothing that will make me stop loving you in that cheek touch. Um, so if it was if it never appeared again, it would be powerful. Um, but I I just love the power of it coming back, um, and that that gesture that Han made lives 
in Ben's memory and makes a difference down the line. It makes it even more powerful. Uh, and then the one that, you know, I'm sure other people do find powerful, but I, I you know, I don't know if everyone uh, bursts into tears yeah. uh, like I have uh, multiple times is Rise of Skywalker. Uh, there's so many great moments. It's not a Navy. It's just people. Uh, Poe's elation when he sees that it was worth holding on to hope. Uh, Ray reaching out to the Jedi uh, who have come before is all really powerful. I love that idea of uh, in her darkest moment where she looks like she's lost everyone, she could just give up. And instead she takes a deep breath and she really tries to reach out for that support she needs. And all those lines are, are powerful and great. But Yoda's alone never have you been always breaks me. Because mm-hmm. I think it's the one that, it, there's a lot of ideas being expressed in what the Jedi say to her, you know, uh, 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 in the heart of a Jedi lies her true strength is really powerful to uh, some of the themes. Obi-Wan saying, you know, these are your final steps. Anakin saying, you know, uh, uh, restore the balance as I once did. They're all, they're all plugged into different parts of Rey's journey in, in different parts of the story. Um, but Yoda's goes to the heart of Rey's emotional journey of even in those times like you've, that you felt like you're entirely alone there have been people who have your back. Um, and in, in trying to think about like, well, why does that mean so much to me? And I think in general, I, I have a, a tendency to sometimes feel like I'm alone when I'm not. But I remember in particular, when I was getting ready to move to Los Angeles, I didn't think that some of my old friends from Minneapolis would support me. And I went on a uh, kind of mini bar crawl with a couple friends and a longtime friend of mine did done shows together constantly, kind of in some ways, you know, grew up uh, together, not when we were actually young, but grew up as adults together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was talking about something. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be there, but I'm going to probably move to Los Angeles by then. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think that's right. I think that's, you know, where you need to go next. And we had had several drinks, so that was a part of it. But I started crying in the bar because I just had, I had no idea that he supported me. I didn't think he yeah. would if I had brought it up to him. And it, it, that's the Yoda moment for me of someone that you know of, you know, or maybe is close to you and, and there's more support for you there than you realized was there. And just the, the joy and the comfort and the release of realizing you're more supported than you realized is yes. really powerful to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's something in that. Good stuff. That's an answer. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So great question, Alden. Thank you uh, for uh, letting us go on the deep dive and do a little bit of a personal uh, counseling for ourselves. (laughs) Not even Star Wars counseling, just personal counseling Uh, here on Force. You know, you may, there's that's that, that the the Jedi voices are a nice warm blanket for me. It just, I'm swaddled in that scene in that moment. Uh, It just feels so good. And, and which is also ties to Lando, uh, you know, where there's more of us, Poe, there's more of us. It's, it's, it's sun. It's the sun breaking uh, at dawn on after a tough trial. That, that, that's why that stuff works. So thank you. Alden. Yeah. 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 Great, great question. Uh, so thanks, Alden. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Glenn. All great fun questions this week as always. And we look forward to tackling even more fun questions next week. Absolutely. We will do that. Hey, do you want to find us? Do you want to find us? You want to seek out like it's amazing race? You can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are on Instagram. I swear it. I got. I, I. I'm going to get back to posting more things. That's on me. That's I handle that. That's my division of the company. And every 
day. I forget about it. Uh, we're there. Find us on Instagram and force me to, to put more stuff on there. Uh, we're also on YouTube as well. We are rebroadcasting the new segments. More things coming. Uh, podcast is available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Amazon Music Now. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center, get that Speculate Responsibly t-shirt and represent the brand designed by the great Brian Ward, who designed that uh, Mandalorian uh, watch guy (laughs) picture that's going around. Um, Poor Brian uh, didn't put his name, didn't put his watermark on it, and the internet has taken it for its own. But uh, thank you, Brian. The Gene Guy's vintage action figure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Gene Guys. That's that's Brian's, and he does all of our Force Center work there. On the, so check out tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center and Brian Ward's uh, uh, tpublic store. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Always looking for new patrons to join the team and help us build our Force Center dreams. You can follow me at Cadnapsock. Go to cadnapsock.com for more information. Joseph. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures. Absolutely. So for all the adventures in Star Wars that hit us right where it counts, and in the memory and honor of David Prowse, thank you, sir, for bringing life to the great Dark Lord of the Sith. This was Forsyth. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.